sisters. Um, inshallah, today uh, we're continuing in um, this segment or series, if you will, of topics related to Ramadan. And so today what we'll do is we'll talk about the verses of fasting um, in Surah Al-Baqarah. And we'll go over a very, you know, inshallah, general tafsir of these verses to extract some benefits. Uh, and the purpose for this we'll talk about shortly, inshallah. But before we start, I want to give you guys a chance to pull out your Quran, your Mus'haf, if you want, if you I suggest if you have one that has the English translation, try to get that. So inshallah that you can follow along as we go over the explanation. So I'll give you guys about a minute or two to grab it if you don't have it and then we'll start inshallah. Salam. Wa alaikum salam. Which surah are you referring to? Uh, Al-Baqarah. <laughs> surah Al-Baqarah. Surah Al-Baqarah. Okay. Number two. Chapter two, verse 183. It's on page 28. All right, so inshallah, we'll start with um, an introduction um, and then as you're gathering your, your mushaf um, and then we'll jump into the tafsir, the explanation of these verses. Um, but again, like we talked about last time we were together, we're here, inshallah, all of us are here attending these sessions, trying to prepare for Ramadan because we respect our Lord Allah and we respect the month of Ramadan and we respect ourselves. Because if you respect yourself, you want to benefit yourself so that you can have goodness in this life and the hereafter. And if you don't respect yourself, you're not going to set yourself up for success um, in terms of your dunya and akhirah. So we're here because we also respect ourselves. And so again, how do we start or how do we prepare for the month of Ramadan? Okay. And the reality is that Ramadan, the way you behave in Ramadan is a reflection of what you do outside of that month, all those other 11, year, uh, 11 months in the year. And so if you're indulged in a lot of sins and you're following your desires and uh, you're not uh, trying to rectify your state outside of the month of Ramadan, you will see that you won't be receiving blessings. And these blessings are supposed to aid you in doing good and doing more good deeds and, and, and being more steadfast. So the reason why we're bringing these verses today that we're going to study the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is inshallah so that it can inspire us, it can motivate us to take this issue, this matter seriously. Um, and so that when we enter the, the month of Ramadan, we are entering with this mentality of giving this month its true importance, giving like uh, reverence and, and, and venerating this month and um, understanding where we're falling short so that we can correct ourselves before the month begins inshallah um, and know that your level of ubudiyah your level of servitude to allah subhanahu wa it comprises of course um, from worshiping allah alone 
but also understanding and realizing and, and, and accepting the fact that you have mistakes and you have sins and you need his help to overcome those things. So the point I would like to make is don't just walk into Ramadan, you know, day one and just, and just begin, right? And say, okay, I'm going to worship Allah alone um, and inshallah, hopefully he will have mercy on me and I'm going to exit this Ramadan and you, and you find yourself that you exited the month of Ramadan without any benefit at all. The way that you came in, the state that you were in before you entered the month and the state that you're in after the month has finished is exact the same. There's no improvement. So this is what I mean by don't walk into Ramadan with this mentality. Understand, and as we talked about in the previous session, Ramadan is a school. Ramadan is a rehabilitation process, okay? That month is that for us, okay? So if a person is told tomorrow you have to start fasting, for example, and you have been negligent for the past 11 months, you know, busy, constantly on the phone, social media, talking, not praying the night prayer or reading Quran or even fasting or, uh, voluntarily um, to prepare yourself or even doing just the bare minimum, which is what is required from us, praying five daily prayers, um, abstaining from sins and things like that. You know, we're human beings. We can't switch our iman on and off. Okay, it doesn't work that way. It's not, and we find that many people in the beginning of Ramadan, they try to turn that switch on. And what happens is they try to turn that switch on and the fuse burns out. And you see that in the first, you know, after day three, four, five, you're getting into the second week maybe now and their performance has declined. declined. They start to relax. They start to even stop some of those acts of worship they were doing. So the level and the quality of um, their acts of worship just drop. And then you'll see maybe the last two, three days, there's a surge because now you want to finish strong and, and the, the motivation has come back. And the reason that some people are like that is because outside of Ramadan, we have not benefited from the Ramadan that came before. And we have not benefited from what the Quran is teaching us. So we have four very powerful ayats that inshallah we'll go over. And as mentioned, it's in uh, Surah Al-Baqarah. And you know, just talking about the virtues of the Quran and its tafsir and, and the virtues of Surah Al-Baqarah is a, is a lecture within itself because it's, there's so much that could be said. Um, but just know, just from one hadith to give you the virtues of learning the Quran and its meaning, it's uh, narrated by Uthman ibn Affan that he heard the Prophet saying, The best of you are the ones who learn the Quran, meaning you learn it and you implement it. You're acting upon what the Quran is, uh, says, and then you teach it to other people. And Surah Al-Baqarah also has many, many virtues as well. The Prophet told us that learning it and reciting it is a blessing. And if you leave off learning and reciting Surah Al-Baqarah, this is a, distra uh, a destruction for yourself. And the Prophet also says that those magicians and the shayateen, the devils, and, and anyone who wants to harm you, if you have that, that relationship with Surah Al-Baqarah, that you're constantly reciting it and, and, and you've understood its meaning and you're constantly studying it and implementing all of its rulings and benefits and lessons, then the Prophet said okay. that those devils and those magicians and anybody that wants to harm you will not be able to overcome you. And Surah Al-Baqarah is the peak of the Quran in another hadith. So there's many virtues to it. And now the other question that we have is, okay, Surah Al-Baqarah means the, ver the, the chapter of the cow. 
right? So why are verses of fasting in Ramadan mentioned in a surah that is titled the cow, right? Um, the surah that, that talks about the cow. And the reason is because if you look each surah in the Quran has a general theme, it has an objective. And the general theme of Surah Al-Baqarah is connected to the usul of your iman. It's connected to the foundations of your iman. So believing in Allah and his angels and his books and his messengers and the day of judgment and Qadr, you know, the six pillars of iman. But Surah Al-Baqarah also has ahkam, it has rulings. It also has the pillars of Islam. It has tawheed. It has the prayer, salah. It talks about zakat, uh, fasting, of course, and hajj as well. Right? So we see that it talks about Tawheed and Shirk, um, the associating partners with Allah, Nifaq, which is hypocrisy, Kufr, which is disbelief. It gives us practical rulings that make up the foundation of Islam, those five pillars. So we see because of all of these different topics that are discussed in Surah Al-Baqarah, we see its importance. And we also learn in Surah Al-Baqarah that there are three characteristics of people. And we have, you know, right before we have um, Surah Al-Fatiha, Right? So that last verse is further explained in the entirety of Surah Al-Baqarah. And from that verse, we see that there's three types of people. There's people that have knowledge, but they don't have action. So they're not implementing the knowledge that they have. There's people that have action, but they have no knowledge. So they just do things however they want. And then there are the believers who have knowledge and they also have action. And we have that, those three characteristics of people, we learn that in Surah Al-Fatiha, the last verse of Surah Al-Fatiha. And then the entirety of Surah Al-Baqarah goes on to talk extensively about these three types of people. Okay. Um, so inshallah, we'll begin with the verses of fasting. So the first verse that we have is, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبِلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So we'll take it little by little, inshallah. So the beginning of this verse begins with, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who believe. Okay. Again, remember we talk, Allah begins by addressing those who believe. Why? Remember we have those three types of people. And the people that Allah is addressing are the believers. And those are the people that have knowledge and they have actions. Their actions are backed up by knowledge. And they don't just learn and not implement. Okay? So Allah is addressing the people who have iman, the people who have knowledge, the people who have actions. They pay attention, right? Because they know that what is going to be mentioned, what is going to be addressed is something that is going to benefit them. It's something that... Uh, it's something that Allah has enjoined upon people that came before. So people that came before were called to do this, which is siyam, and we'll talk about it, right? So we want to be like the, the righteous people that preceded us. And we, so we're going to pay attention, we're going to take heed, and we're going to take this as an important thing. And we don't want to be like the people who didn't have knowledge or didn't have action and rejected um, the things that the people, the righteous people before us did, or they made up their own actions because they didn't have that knowledge. So Allah is addressing the people who believe. Okay. And when Allah says, Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, 
draw your ear close. This is what Abdullah ibn Abbas said. He said, you draw your ear close, meaning listen attentively. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, who Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said that he is the most knowledgeable about the Quran from the companions. He said that when you hear, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, O you who believe, listen. Because what is about to come is beneficial for your iman or is going to be a warning that you stay away from so it does not impact your iman in a negative way. Okay. And so what is it that we have to listen to? Kutiba alaykum muslim. Fasting has been prescribed for you. Okay. So we see from this iman, so believing, and then in action, these things are connected. In iman and actions are connected. And the connection here is that the better your fast, the better your iman. And the opposite is true as well. The higher and the stronger your iman, the better your fasting will be, the quality of it. Likewise, the weaker your iman, the weaker your fasting, your fast will be, okay? So the level and the quality of your iman is translated into your actions. And this is important because we have to understand that fasting is not a sacrifice. A lot of people think the objective of fasting is is uh, to sacrifice, you know, and maybe people outside of Islam, different religions believe that and they, and they fast and, um, from certain things as a sacrifice. Fasting is not prescribed upon us so that we remember the needy. These are added, these are side benefits that someone may benefit from, but understand again, what is the purpose of Ramadan? What is the purpose of fasting? It's a purification for you. It's your school, it's your rehabilitation, it's your, a reminder. Where have you been the last 11 months? What are you doing with your daily life? And where do you want to be? What do you want to aspire to? This is why fasting was prescribed for us, okay? And with that word kutiba, so kutiba alaykum usiyam, so prescribed upon you is fasting. With that word kutiba, there's a degree of mercy and there's a degree of tranquility about whatever it is that is going to be prescribed for you. So with fasting, there is a mercy and there's tranquility. Yeah. So what is fasting? It's to abstain from eating and drinking and sexual intercourse. And also anything else that is similar to that that can nullify your fast from dawn to sunset, okay? And I'm not gonna get into the fiqh. These verses also contain you know, the fiqh, the rulings of fasting. Inshallah, that will be reserved for one class where we address that. Today, we're just going to take benefits from the verses, okay? We know that for other people, other nations, even other religions, fasting means something different, right? For example, we have Maryam, alayhi salam, that she also fasted, right? That she fasted uh, for the sake of Allah, but her fast was that she was not allowed to speak, right? So that's different. Our fasting, the fasting of the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, is that we abstain from eating, drinking, sexual intercourse, or anything else similar to that that nullifies the fast from dawn to sunset, okay? And then, so now what is the um, objective of fasting? Again, it's not to diet, right? It's not to lose weight. It's not to sacrifice. It's not to, you know, remember the needy or count your blessings, any of these things. Again, these are side benefits. The objective of fasting is 
right? And then, so I don't know in your in your books if it says um, I think for me it says that you may become al-muttaqin, you may become from the people of taqwa. But la'alla has a stronger meaning than just become. It means like it will happen. So if you fast this month of Ramadan and you do what you're supposed to do, and you're seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his reward and, and to be near to him, and you're benefiting as much as you can in this month, you will have taqwa. This is what it means. You will have it. It will happen. Okay. So fasting this month allows us to program ourselves to be good for the remaining 11 months of the year until the next Ramadan. And we know this because we, I think some of us, when Ramadan gets closer, you kind of feel, you know, I need Ramadan. You know, my heart needs Ramadan. I'm in need of purification. I'm in need of that recharge, that like um, reboots. Okay. And we see that without Ramadan, we would be very, very needy and we would never be able to improve our taqwa. So this is a huge mercy, a huge ni'mah from Allah that he is giving us this month. So we have to benefit from it. Um, fasting also teaches you as a side benefit. It teaches you to be independent, right? To be conscious of what you think, what you say, what you do. And, it, and, and all of this is from self-discipline. Right. Um, and then again, like, so, so let's talk about taqwa. The greatest purpose, the objective of fasting is taqwa. And taqwa in reality is the greatest purpose of your life, to attain taqwa. And what is taqwa? Again, even describing or defining taqwa and explaining it could be a lecture in and of itself, but will suffice with just explaining it briefly that it is to do what is good and to stay away what it, from what is bad. Okay. And now, what is the connection between taqwa and fasting? The Prophet told us that Ramadan is a month of patience, okay? And when you have those two elements, you have fasting and you have patience. And we talked about patience in our last session and the three types and all of that. Um, when you have patience and when you have fasting, this is a recipe for taqwa. So this is this verse, 183. Next verse. These are, meaning the month of Ramadan, these days of fasting are a fixed number of days. They're a very short number of days. And we see that every year at Ramadan, you feel like you just started it and it just ended so quickly, right? And some people ask like, why, I, I wish we could have Ramadan all year round. Why can't we have Ramadan all year round? And of course, you know, Allah doesn't want it to be all year round. Allah did not prescribe that Ramadan is all year round. Because again, what is the objective of Ramadan? Is that you enter Ramadan, it's a school for you. You learn seriously for those 30 days. And then the next day is Eid. And you're supposed to be someone who is independent, not a slave and shackled to your desires and, and, and um, temptations and sins and all these things. And then essentially you're pushed back into the dunya, into your worldly life outside of Ramadan. And then you have those next 11 months to be consistent from whatever it is you learned and developed those 30 days until the next Ramadan. This is why we don't have Ramadan all year round. It's, just, it's supposed to be something that we can use to recharge until the next Ramadan. 
Alright, um, So now here is more of the fiqh of the verses. So we're not going to get too much into the fiqh. But just know that here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives what is called a rukhsa, which is a leniency, a concession, an exception for certain people. So people who are ill, right? Um, and people who are traveling. And so ill, it can be physical. Um, it could be something permanent or temporary. For example, someone who has diabetes, if they, if they fast and they'll be put at greater harm, then they take the ruling of someone who's ill. If a woman is pregnant or breastfeeding and if she's to fast, it's going to harm her or the child, then you take the ruling of someone who is ill. And also someone who is traveling or similar to that. So traveling, what is associated with traveling is hardship. So if you're in a state of hardship, you're allowed to break your fast. So if someone works as a farmer or as a laborer and they, they're able to handle it, that's fine. But some scholars would say if, if you have that hard, difficult job that puts you in that state of hardship and for you to fast will cause you to pass out or do all these, um, you know, being in all these other difficulties with your health as well, then you can take that concession, that leniency, that exception, that rukhsa that Allah has given you. Okay. And then... We'll get into the fiqh of this more. Um, you have the option to make it up throughout the year for some, and then for others, you do what is called a fidya, which is um, an expiation. Okay. So benefits we can take from this verse. Um, Allah is calling us to do something that is good for us. Okay, fasting. But also, Allah, he understands our abilities. He understands what we can bear, what we can handle, and what is difficult for us, what can put us in a hardship. Okay? So we also see that some actions that we do are good, or from all the actions that we do that are good, even from acts of worship, there are some that are better than others. Okay? And we also see from this that Allah wants us to accept those um, leniencies that he gives us, those limitations, those concessions he has given us, right? And the reason why is because if you were, again, the objective of fasting in Ramadan is to attain taqwa. So if you're fasting and you're ill or you're traveling or you're in a hardship, you will not have the energy. You will not be as productive as you could be if you were not fasting due to your illness or traveling or whatever your situation is. And if you don't have that productivity, that energy, then you're not going to be able to reach that objective, which is to have taqwa. Okay? Fasting with a hardship will not allow you to attain taqwa. Okay? Because think about it this way. If you're for example, if someone's diabetic, Allah protect us, or, or, or pregnant, or breastfeeding, and you're not able to fast, um, and you, because you're eating and you're getting those nourishments so that your blood level, your blood sugar is at the level it's supposed to be and things like that, then you have the energy and you can attain taqwa through something else as well, right? You have 24 hours in the day to benefit. So you can you have that energy, the ability, because you're not fasting and in that hardship, to recite Quran, to give charity, to pray and increase in praying extra, right? To do all these other acts of worship that if you were to compromise your health, perhaps you would not be able to do. 
and maybe you would just be in bed all day just abstaining from eating and drinking and sexual intercourse without doing anything else, right? Because of your health. So take the concession when Allah gives it to you. And the last thing we wanna talk about is, so Allah gives us, we're excused to fast when we're in a hardship. We're excused to, um, uh, when we're sick, uh, we're excused to fast. We're excused to give zakat if we don't have the money for it. We're excused to go to hajj if we don't have the financial ability to do it and, and, and the physical ability to. But what about someone who gives themselves the excuse not to pray and someone who has forsaken the prayer? right? There's no situation in Islam where you can say, oh, I'm sick, I can't pray, right? Unless you're on your menses and you have like things like that, that um, the jurists and, and Islamically were, were kind of given that exception. But I'm talking about someone who's, you know, um, even if you're bedridden, as long as you have that sanity and you're not on your menses, right? You're able to pray. There is a prayer for every situation. There's even prayer is um, salat al khawf is prayer of uh, the fear prayer, right? So even when you're you have death looking you in the eye, you're at war, you're in a battle, you still prayer has not been lifted up from you. So what about people who they're in the comfort of their homes? You open up your fridge and you have different types of meat, different types of cheese and 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 vegetables and fruits, and and you're 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 safe and you're forsaking the prayer, right? So this is a point that we can reflect on and, and see how important is the salah in our life. And then likewise, we see in Ramadan, there are people who they, they fast, but they don't pray, right? or they only come to the masjid and pray tarawih. They don't pray their five obligatory prayers. And we talked about this last time we were together that don't leave off your obligatory prayers or your obligatory actions just to do the voluntary, right? The voluntary are supposed to enhance and complement your what is obligatory upon you. But if you're not doing what is obligatory, then how do you think your voluntary actions will be accepted? Um, and then there's also people who fast, but they don't fast in their actions, meaning all they're doing is forsaking eating and drinking and sexual intercourse during the day. But perhaps they're indulging in backbiting, in lying, in other sinful things. Right? And then Allah, he ends this verse. Um, okay. Allah is saying now uh, the fiqh aspect. So, um, if you're ill or you're on a journey, then you will make up the days that you miss the same number of days later on when you're able to. As for the one who can fast with difficulty, they have this choice. And their choice is you either, um, and again, we'll get into the fiqh of this, so I don't want to confuse you guys, to feed a needy person for those days, or there's other concessions and we'll talk about. And then Allah says, whoever does good of his own accord is better for him. And, and uh, fasting is better for you if only you knew, right? Meaning, again, what is it that you get when you fast? You get taqwa. So here, Allah, clearly, Allah wants us to attain taqwa. Okay, that is, that is the objective. The next verse, 
شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن. So Ramadan is that month, and and the and the name Ramadan comes from Ramada, which is um, a hot summer month. Okay, and the reason so that's linguistically, but it was kept even Islamically. And Allah alam, but the scholars they say also because Ramadan is the month in which your sins are extinguished. So it was all fitting. And we also know that Ramadan is the month that the Prophet became a prophet when he um, when the Quran was revealed to him, Iqra. And then a few days later after that, he became a messenger with Ya Ayuhal Mudathir. And we also see and we've learned from these previous verses that with Ramadan comes a great deal of taqwa, a great deal of goodness. Um, strengthening your relationship with the Quran, and, and and then Allah says in this verse, "شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الهدى والفرقان." So there's three descriptions to the Quran. The Quran is a huda, the Quran is a bayinat, and the Quran is a furqan. So the Quran is a huda. Basically means that. From the Quran, it tells us what is good for us and what is bad for us, right? And again, this is connected to fasting because the objective of fasting is taqwa. And what is taqwa? To do what is good, to stay away from what is bad. So we need to know what is good and what is bad so we know what to do that is good and what to stay away from that is bad. The Quran is a bayinat, which means, I think, for my, Quran is translated as clear proofs. But even more so, you can say it's convincing. It's arguments that are within it are plausible. They're, they're easily understood. They're rationalized. And it's upon us to make the effort to learn and to study and to benefit from the Quran and extract it from that and apply it to our lives. And then the Furqan is something that differentiates itself from what is not correct. And we see this a lot in the Quran. The Quran says this is right because this is right. And this is wrong because this is wrong. It gives us, it differentiates our aqidah that this is our aqidah and this is right because X, Y, and Z. And this is what other people believe that is wrong because of X, Y, and Z. So it, it differentiates itself from what is not correct, okay? And also with its rulings, um, reasonings, arguments, like I mentioned. Okay. And Ramadan is the month that we fast, of course. But it's also a month of worship. You should increase your ibadah. It's a month of the Quran. It's a month of dhikr, remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Um, so فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمْ وَشَهْرَ فَلْيَصُمْ وَمَنْ كَانَ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ Again, this is the thiq for, for people who Allah has given the concessions for if they're sick, things like that. وَمَا كَانَ uh, Okay, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرَ So here it's saying that Allah intends for you ease and he does not intend for you difficulty, hardship, right? Again, why? Because fasting Ramadan, this is a gift, this is a mercy. Um, not only are you attaining a higher, you know, degree of virtue, you're getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, you're learning these rulings, what to stay away from, what to increase in that is good so that you can be a better Muslim. You're given the opportunity to understand the Quran. And once you understand the Quran, you understand hikmah, the wisdom from the Quran, right? And how many of us, like if we're real with ourselves, how many of us truly benefit from the Quran, not just reciting it, but learning its meanings and implementing it and, 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 and the wisdoms of the Quran, 
the other 11 months of the year, right? And so the, and the greatest favor that is given to us in the month of Ramadan from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is him assisting us in this month in a way that he's never done in other months, right? And we talked about this a little bit last week. There, the, the, a lot, there's many ahadith that mention that the gates of Jannah are open, the gates of paradise are open, the, the gates of the hellfire, the doors of the hellfire are locked, the devils are chained, right? Allah frees every night thousands and thousands of his servants from the hellfire. So we see Allah wants ease for us. Allah wants goodness for us. The bar has been set so low for us to make it to Jannah, to do good, to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah doesn't want hardship for us, right? So the objective of Ramadan is not just stop eating and drinking, but carry on like nothing else has ever changed. No, benefit yourself. And remember that when you do these acts of worship, you're only benefiting yourself. Allah is not benefited through your acts of worship. Okay? You're not increasing anything into the might and power and izzah and dominion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you worship him. This is for your benefit. Okay. Allah wants you to complete those prescribed days. And what is the result? You make takbir of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For the fact that the result is if you complete this month and you're, and you're taking it seriously and you're doing good and you're staying away from evil and you're benefiting and you're increasing in your worship, the result is you will be guided, right? And then you what, you, what do you do? You make takbir, you glorify Allah for guiding you. When is this takbir done? The very last, the last day of Ramadan, very next day, day of Eid. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, right? So you're, you're glorifying Allah for this month that just ended in which you were able to, he aided you increasing in these good deeds and that he has guided you, right? So thank Allah, make dhikr, increase, in the rest of these now 11 months until the next Ramadan, because this month that you spent, you, you worked hard and it has been fruitful for you, right? And there's an aqidah point here. Like all of this fasting the, the month of Ramadan, working hard to attain taqwa, doing good, staying away from evil, um, increasing an act of worship. When you have all of this, you want to genuinely think and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you, you understand that he's the one who has guided you and given you the tawfiq. He's given you the success and the ability to be that better person. Because wallahi, you will not be able to do a single rak'ah, a single sujood, really a single verse from the Quran, a single tasbih, if it weren't for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guiding you to do it and giving you the ability and the success to do it. So we have to remember this is not from our own selves that we're doing these things. This is from the mercy um, and, 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 and goodness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how does one be grateful then, right? You're grateful. First, let's talk about like signs that your worship is accepted. Signs that your worship has been accepted, number one is that you're grateful. You're, you show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for being able to do those acts of worship. And also that, you know, good deeds if those good deeds are accepted from you, the, the sign that they're accepted is that you do more good deeds, right? 
there's a principle in the Sharia, al-jazal min jils al-amal, that the recompense for what you've done is equivalent to the action, right? So if you're doing good, the reward for that is more good, and you'll be doing more good and more good and more good and more good. Is there any reward for good except for more good? So if you see yourself that you're you're increasing in doing good and acts of worship and you're not falling into sins as you used to, alhamdulillah, this is a sign that Allah has accepted this for you. So look at yourself. How are you after the month of Ramadan has ended? This is a big sign indicator if this month has been accepted from you or not. All right, the next ayah. So now Allah is saying, and when my servants, he's talking to the Prophet when my servants ask you about me, meaning the believers, then tell them I am near. We're talking about Ramadan, Ramadan and having taqwa and it's prescribed for us and rulings pertaining to Ramadan and fiqh. And now you have this verse, right? Allah is saying, I respond to the dua, the, the, the supplication of the one who is calling upon me when he calls upon me, right? So let them obey me and believe in me so that they may be rightly guided. So this verse has nothing indicating Ramadan, right? Fasting, the, the rulings of fasting. And it's right smack dab in the middle of the verses of Ramadan. Why? Ibn Kathir, he mentions in his tafsir, he says the best way for a believer to spend their time fasting is to have a level of consciousness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remembering Allah, you know, um, thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and, and his um, names and characteristics and how he is towards his servants, okay? How is Allah to his servants? So we see here the believers are asking the Prophet how is Allah with his servants? They're asking about worship and they're told to make dua, to remember Allah, to have that level of consciousness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So all of this is binded. When you're fasting, you should be making dua. And we know that this is one of the times when your, your dua is readily accepted, someone who is fasting. And it's not just, a lot of people have this misconception that it's only at like the time of iftar when you're about to break your fast. No, it's the entire day. The minute you begin your fast till you break it, make dua because that whole time, your dua inshallah is more readily accepted because you're in the state of fasting. Um, something else that's interesting here in the, the lugha, the linguistic, um, kind of analysis so usually like um in other verses when when the, the people are when Allah is saying and they ask you about x y and z right yes for example they ask you about alcohol and gambling what does Allah say right he says tell them and then he continues the verse here he's saying um when they ask you about me, he didn't say tell them, right? And so some scholars say here that fa is something that is like right away indicated, meaning if you do your part, if you're doing your fasting and you're remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're staying away from what is bad, you're doing what is good, um, you're, you're, you're making dua to Allah, then Allah is right there and there going to answer whatever it is that you need and you're asking him for. There's no intermediary 
it's an immediate answer. Okay, Allah will accept your ibadah. Allah will accept your recitation of the Quran. What does it mean to accept the, your recitation of the Quran? Of course, you'll be rewarded for every verse, uh, every letter that you recite, but also it's you'll be guided through that recitation of the Quran. Right? And how do you see that? You see that in the way that you improve your salah. How do you know Allah accepted your salah? You, it's not something robotic. It's not a chore that you just do. You taste the sweetness of it. You're not just parroting and just doing those motions absentmindedly. Okay. So we see that from this verse, Allah can make you benefit from your worship in ways that you never ever imagined. Right? And there's some acts of worship we know what the reward is, but we don't fully understand the extent of that reward. Right? And so acts of worship benefit are only accepted through ikhlas, which is that you do things to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy and to seek his reward, Jannah, and with taqwa. So these two elements you need with all of your acts of worship, okay? And if we do this while fasting, what is the result? The result is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept it from you and it will make you someone who is upright and steadfast until you meet him, inshallah. And not only that, you'll see this, you'll see the fruits of this in your generations, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, um, and so on, inshallah. Okay. We also see from this that Ramadan is a month of activity, right? You're fasting, but you're also actively doing other acts of worship, dua, reciting Quran, you're being productive, you're not being lazy, okay? And another aqidah benefit here is that, subhanAllah, the month of Ramadan is a proof for us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists and that Islam's laws, Islam is the haq, Islam is the truth, right? From this verse where it's talking about dua, when you make dua, think about how many times you've made dua for something and Allah has given you that thing, right? Or Allah has given you something better. I'm sure we can recall many, many times in our life where we've been in that situation. So that is a sign for you that there, that Allah, your creator, your Lord exists. He's answering your dua. He's giving you that whatever it is that you need, right? Or what you're asking for. Also, think about this. There's 2 billion people in the world, maybe more practicing, worshiping. This whole month, they all fast, right? They all abstain from certain things that we're supposed to abstain from. They all come tarawih, majority, come pray tarawih and tahajjud and reciting the Quran and increasing these acts of worship. All of this is a sign to us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists and that Islam is the haqq. No other religion has this, subhanAllah. All right, the last verse um, that talks about Ramadan so here, uhilla, Allah is saying, uhilla means halal. So Allah has made halal permissible for you, what? To have sexual relations with your spouse during the night time in the month of Ramadan, right? And then he says, hunna libasun lakum wa antun libasun lahun. They are a libas, a garment for you and you are a garment for them. What does that mean? It means you help cover each other's faults. You help protect each other. You help each other improve and be better in the sight of Allah. Okay, this is that what it means. And so we see here that in these verses, we see there's benefits in aqidah. We see there's benefits in um, transforming yourself like spiritually, but also there's rulings, benefits related to rulings like fiqh, okay? 
the previous verses told us what are some exceptions in, 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 in um, the rukhsa that is given to you. Now we're told what is permissible, what is halal for you to do, right? And rulings are all like every act of worship has rulings for it, to it, pillars, uh, duties, um, permissible things, recommended things, disliked things, and things that nullify it. And so in Ramadan, if you study them and you're conscious of these rulings, then the, the result should be that when you're outside of Ramadan, you're also conscious and mindful of the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. And if we can be mindful and conscious of these rulings in Ramadan, this is a means to attaining taqwa. Right. And understand that your, your life as a Muslim revolves around these terminologies. What is halal for me? What is haram for me? What is disliked? What is permissible? What is recommended? What is a pillar of this uh, act of worship that if I don't do it, it's not valid? Your life as a Muslim revolves around all of these terminologies. Okay. So, so during um, the day, you know, you can have your food, any nourishment, drinking, you know, uh, so, sorry, during the night, you can have your food, nourishment, drinking, um, relations with your spouses, things like that. Allah told us that it's during the day that you're not allowed to do that, right? So basically, there's no fasting at night. So, alim Allahu annakum kuntum takhtaduna anfusakum fataba alikum wafa ankum felana bashiru hunna wabataru ma kataba Allahu lakum wakulu washrabu hatta yatabayena lakumul khaitul abiyadu minal khaitul aswadi minal fajr. Thumma atimus siyama ilal lane. So, there's whole part what Allah is saying is complete your fasting until the sun sets. And then, once the sun has set until the sun, until dawn the next day, enjoy anything that is halal for you in terms of food and drinking and, and being with your spouse, right? So you're allowed to have relations with your family at night. And then another benefit you can take from this, and we'll talk about it in fiqh, is that you can enter into the next day not being in a state of tahara. So if, so if you had relations with your spouse at night, you wake up, it's already fajr time, you know, and we know that dawn, once fajr comes in, you start fasting again. And this is why, you know, sometimes people say from sun, sunrise to sunset is when you fast. That's wrong. Sunrise is post-Fajr, right? So you should already be fasting once, like, Fajr comes in, which is dawn. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you enter the day and you're still in that state of major impurity from being in relations with your spouse, you can still fast that day, right? You just go make your ghusl, pray, you're fasting, Okay. And then the, the part that I want to talk go back at is You're saying Allah knows that you used to deceive yourselves, right? And he turned to you, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted your repentance and he forgave you. What does that mean? It's not that the companions did something wrong. It's that Allah is saying that Allah knows that you used to put yourself in hardships because of this, right? Um, there's many ahadith in Bukhari that mentioned the companions for the whole month, they would go without relations, or others, they would stay up a large part of the night in difficulty. Um, so, so that, you know, if they were to have relations, they'd stay up so that they can, you know, prepare themselves for the salat and things like that. And there's a scholar, subhanAllah, when he was explaining this verse, Imam al-Baqawi, he said that here Allah is talking about the early Muslims, the Muslims that... Um, 
entered Islam in Mecca, like before the Hijrah, the very early Muslims, that they used to hold on so strictly um, to these rules and they used to forego their desires and push their bodies past their limits. What was the result of that? And they did this with ikhlas. What was the result of that? In these nights, if they were to conceive a child, they said that their children were from the best generations that ever were on this earth, subhanAllah. Really quickly, we'll just finish. Um, this, uh, this verse also talks about itikaf. We'll talk about this in fiqh. Um, and then he says, um, These are the limits that are set for Allah, uh, by Allah. All right, so Allah is teaching us these rulings so that we can benefit, program ourselves so that after Ramadan, we can you know, remove the corruption from ourselves and continue the rest of these 11 months still benefiting, all right? Um, and so quickly, just some lessons from these, this last verse. Allah knows better than us about his creation. He created us, he knows what's best for us. And he only legislates that which is good for us. And if we implement what he tells us to do, we will see the virtues and the goodness and the fruits of those things. And remember that Allah doesn't want hardship for you. The Quran, it calls you to be uh, chaste, you know, with, since it mentions being, um, having those relations with your spouse. But there is a time and a place to show those feelings and emotions and be intimate with your family, meaning you're not going to do it on the street, on, uh, post it on social media, you know, do things in a nightclub, whatever the case may be. There's a time and place for everything. Um, so this is it. Um, I ran a little bit over, so my apologies for that. Um, subhanakum wa bihamdika shadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa tawbu ilayhi.